Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Amen, amen. Thank you, my brother. Um, man, choir, you guys were bringing it. Sweet, dude. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. We're glad that you are here this morning. I know Brother Todd said a few thank yous. I, I want to pass along those thank yous uh, to you guys that served at Cal Days. I know some of you guys, man, we've seen you years after year uh, just serving faithfully. And that's an awesome thing to see. Some of you guys are new. And we saw some of our newest folks, some of those just been coming to GBC just for a little while. I saw you guys there at the, the table that is hopping where popsicles and water is flowing and, uh, man, it was just awesome to see you new folks come and get to be a part of that. Thank you to, to Atwell and James Bonta for organizing, setting it up, and just, I know you guys labored long and hard in that, so thank you. Uh, man, Corey Goff, I want to say thank you for the fence. That fence was awesome. Like, it was constant of hearing parents say how great it was to have this fence that you have to worry about, right? I know we've had the caution tape in years past, but that fence was the bomb diggity, right, as a parent, not having to worry. So I want to say thank you to that. Um, that was a huge help. Bobby Markham, dude, that tent was, it was awesome, right? I see heads shaking. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To all the bald brothers out there, we were saying thank you, right? But that tent, so I, I'll just be honest, full disclosure here. Um, Atwell told me, he's like, I got a tent for us this year. And I was like, well, well great. I was thinking another pop-up. I was like, we've had pop-up tents, but that's awesome. I'm with you, Atwell. And dude, I walked in there Thursday night late and the, the little cover of darkness was coming up and Markham and his team were out there, man, and setting that massive big boy up. And I was like, dude, that's how Bobby Markham rolls. And um, so thank you, man, to that. I just want to say that was awesome and obstacle courses. I want to say thank you, too. Some of you guys were having intentional conversations about the gospel. The Cowdays, listen, our, our ministry outreach is twofold. One, it is indeed to love on this community, to meet needs, right? It's an awesome place for parents to be able to come and say, I don't have to pay anything for my kids just to have fun at Cowdays. It's hopefully a safe place, a place with clean, clean restrooms. Thank you for that, right? It's a place where my kids can be loved on. But we also, in that, we want to be intentional to share the gospel. And I want to say thank you because some of you, I saw you having those conversations. Some of you, listen, were having conversations and you even invited me in to come and meet the people you had just been sharing the gospel with. And so I absolutely want to say thank you for you guys that were out there intentionally sharing the gospel with people. So uh, I'm excited about that. But this morning, I want to come and just kind of, as we walk here in Isaiah, and kind of remind us that, listen, when it comes to sharing the gospel, I, I know we prayed last week. It was one of my applications at the end of the message last week. Pray, right? We were praying last Sunday for boldness for this past Friday and Saturday because we recognize it's often hard to share the gospel. We all struggle with it, right? We want to, but man, those moments, we often find ourselves afraid, scared, right? We, we're just like, I'm not sure how to start. This is going to make everything awkward. Listen, it does make things awkward. Uh, one of the conversations I had, I walked up, met some guy, I was talking to him. And man, the moment I started sharing the gospel, that brother hit like the ejection seat, like on an F-16. He was, right? He finally just said, hey, listen, I appreciate you trying to share this with me. And if I ever decide that I want to come to a church, I'll try to come to this one. So it doesn't always go well, right? Like, I mean, I get derailed. I get people that shut me down, that don't want to talk about the gospel. 
But I, I want to press on you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. As we think back on cow days, the opportunities that you had or maybe you had and missed. All right, I shared last week. I missed one. I was at Wendy's a couple weeks ago and I had somebody sharing with me. I should have stopped and prayed with them. I was too busy. I just said, I'll be praying for you. I, I missed it, right? We all miss them. So I, I'm here with you. But I, I want to encourage you right today and challenge you this, this, this theme of for Zion's sake. Lifeway Research tells us this, that in the past six months, over half the church has never shared the gospel. Not even once. In the past six months, people who are attending church, this isn't just people that call themselves Christians, people that are actually attending church, is the screen not working, Miss Karen? Does it not follow me? It didn't trail with me. But you can imagine there's like a, there's a, there's a chart up here and it's got all these different statistics on it. Um, and so it shows, it's okay. Uh, we got, we got to get this internet stuff fixed, man. That's some of the stuff we got to get fixed, but that's all right. So listen, um, so, but the statistics tell us that over 55% of people who are attending the church have not shared the gospel one time in the last six months. And so my guess is that's some of you. And here's what I want to share with you this morning. Today's message is not about shaming you or trying to guilt you into do it. Because it might work for a few of you. For the rest of you, it's not. Today, my hope is this. I want to show you Christ and all of His beauty. And if that doesn't move you to share the gospel, nothing else will. So my hope and prayer today from Isaiah 61 and 62 is that for you, maybe you're a part of this 55%, that you've not shared the gospel even once in the last six months. But today, in response to the gospel, in response to the truth and the beauty of who God is, that you have a behold our God moment that just propels your heart to want to share this blessed truth. So this morning, again, we have this this hope of the gospel for Zion's sake. Is it working now? Okay, sweet. Cool. Um, listen, so I want to encourage you. Wow, here, here's, here's a statement for Zion's sake. We're going to come to it in Isaiah 62 and 1 in just a moment. But I want you to realize this. It's the day the passage is going to tell us that we are all spiritually poor. We are spiritually broken. We are spiritually captive. Paul says that we are captive to sin there in the New Testament. And I want you to know that God is going to bring revival. And He does it specifically according to Isaiah 61 and 62. He's going to revive the world through preaching and prayer. Through proclaiming the gospel. Through you sharing the gospel on your job site tomorrow. And by the power of prayer. God is going to do this and this statement for Zion's sake. So God is going to revive the world and He's going to do it through preaching and prayer. Through proclaiming the gospel and praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine that you're the people of Isaiah's day. Right? You've there, you found yourself in the Babylonian land and, and you're exiled from home and everything. Right? You're hearing Isaiah share these words that there's hope that you might get to go home today. This hope of a deliverer. Now, what we know from history is, is that the people were in Babylonian bondage for about a period of seven years. And Cyrus the Persian, which exactly, right? Cyrus, who was called by name, Isaiah says this guy's going to show up hundreds of years later. And he's going to deliver up his people. That's exactly what happens. And they get to go back home. But 700 years later, Jesus walks into a synagogue on a Saturday. And he picks up a scroll. 
And he opens it to the very chapter you're about to read. And listen to what happens in Luke chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth, verse 16 of Luke 4, where he had been brought up. Jesus, he comes home. Jesus comes home. This is a hometown. He walks into Greensburg, KY, right? He walks into Denansburg. He shows up at Black Nat. He's in Allendale. He walks in. Summersville, just across the river. He's he's walking in, right? And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Now, just just one brief comment. I'm going to move forward. Notice that it's his custom to go to the synagogue on the Saturday. I'm amazed by how many people tell me they follow Jesus and yet doesn't do what he does. He he was just a part of the church. Now, this is the church going to come to forward, Right. But this is Jesus being a part of of hearing from God's word. The synagogue was having God's word shared with them on a Saturday, right? They were praising God. They would spend time in those things. And so this is how the early church is birthed out of that synagogue, out of the work of the power of the Holy Spirit, opening the eyes that Jesus is truly the Messiah. But Jesus is just in the habit of going, as we would say, to church. Are you? Go with me further. Verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, right? So this is the prophet Isaiah, which is where we are today, was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. He unrolls to Isaiah 61, the very text we've come to today now, right? Listen to what he says as he begins to read. Verse 18 of Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he walks in there and he begins to share this truth, this hope with them of Isaiah 61, right? So you're saying, well, what's great? What's significant about this? Watch what happens. All right. And I want to kind of play these against each other just for a moment so you can see what happens, right? So again, you see Isaiah up here at the top of the screen. This is Isaiah, right? He ends, Jesus ends his reading to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, verse 19. Watch where he doesn't read, though. Look with it. So he's cited now. He's moved on to Isaiah 61 and 2 to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See it, right? Same thing right here. He's reading here. And watch where he stops, period, right? So Luke gives us a period there. Look where he didn't read. And the day of vengeance of our God. Something significant is happening here, right? Isaiah, as Jesus comes to unroll the scroll and read, he reads and says, listen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to set the captive free, to heal the sight to the blind, right? And he says the year of our Lord's favor, but he stops, puts a period because he doesn't say in the day of the vengeance of our God. Why? Because what's happening, right? And you got to understand this. this is what makes reading Isaiah so difficult is that Isaiah just has a comma. And Jesus now puts a period there. Why? Because Jesus is reading and looking at Isaiah. And Isaiah 61 says, listen, this year of the Lord's favor, this time of the Lord's coming, listen, speaks about his first coming. But literally one comma separates Jesus' first coming from his second coming. The day of the vengeance of our God is as John 5 talks about when Jesus will come a second time to judge the world. So in between this, right, you have, as you read, right, this is what makes prophecy so difficult it's almost as if you're standing at a distance, right, and you're seeing mountains, and sometimes it looks like, well, that mountain's probably further away than that mountain, and guess what? You travel further down the road, and you realize, well, that was actually closer than I thought, than this one, right? And that's kind of what's happening here. And so the day of the vengeance of our God, listen, it's a day of judgments that's coming, and Jesus is saying that's not yet come. 
But what has come, right, is this year of the Lord's favor. Why? Listen to how we know this. Look what he says further, verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll. And he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, listen to this, this is significant. Today, this scripture has been what? Fulfilled in your hearing. Now that tells us that when Isaiah writes about the people who are in Babylonian captivity, right, that them being delivered, this message here in Isaiah 61 is greater than just Babylonian captivity. This has a spiritual sense in which Jesus is coming not only for the Jewish people, as we'll understand it, but also for all nations. And he says, listen, I want you to know that this first part of the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that clues us in now to the importance of the second part. The day of our vengeance of our God, it will also be fulfilled. Judgment is coming to the nations. He says, listen, I want you to know it's fulfilled in your hearing. Now, listen, this is good news, right? And the people begin to celebrate. Now, it ends up not going, it goes pretty bad for Jesus in a minute because he starts to speak some pretty hard words to them. Literally, they want to stone him to death. All right, they try to drive him off a cliff here at the end of Luke 4. But look, listen just for a moment. Let's work through the fact that Jesus says this is fulfilled now in their hearing, that he has brought fulfillment to this passage. What does this passage teach here in Isaiah 61? Let's walk through it for a moment. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Right? So this bringing of good news, right? So this proclaiming of good news. Luke chapter 4 talks about the fact, right? He says, there, he sent me to proclaim, right, liberty to the captive. He sent me, anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's the same word that often is translated preach, right? So Jesus is saying, listen, God has called me to come and preach the gospel. He's anointed me to bring this good news, to preach this good news to you. Now, what's, what makes the gospel good news? Well, look what he says here, a couple of things. He begins to bring good news to the poor. The poor are those who are held back by people or circumstances, things they've encountered in life, right? And here's good news. Jesus says, listen, no matter what your demographics, socially, economically, no matter how oppressed you may be, no matter what family you may have grown up in, no matter what side of the tracks you may live on or been born on, he says, I want you to know that no one can hold you back from coming into my kingdom. Jesus says, I have power to bring anyone, anywhere, anytime into my kingdom. And he says, this is Good news. Secondly, look what he says here. He has sent me to bind up the who? The brokenhearted. My guess is, despite the smiles on your faces today, for many of you, there is brokenness deep within. And I want you to realize today that the only one that can heal your brokenness is Christ. He says he sent me. To bind up. That word bind up indicates like it, it's like a physician's healing, right? It's bringing salve that's needed there, right? It's, it's bringing that band-aid. It's bringing but one that right, no one can heal, right? There's just no medication. There's no like ultimate band-aid that you can put like that brokenness of your heart. And he says, I want you to know I can heal your heart. I can heal the brokenness that you feel. Look what he says further to them. To proclaim liberty to people that are captive opening of the prison to those who are bound so people are bound they're captive they're broken they're poor jesus listen i mean again he's writing isaiah writes to people here in the midst of babylonian captivity and he says i want you to know listen 
that when Jesus comes, there's one that's greater. It's going to bring freedom, right? And we have to realize this isn't just freedom from the things of this world. Why? Because the people had been set free from the Babylonians, right? 70 years of Babylonian captivity, they're out. 700 years later, guess what? They're in the homeland, but they're not free. Why? Who rules over the Jewish people when Jesus is there? Who was it? Rome! Rome rules! So Jesus now steps on to people that are, even though they're in their homeland, they're captive. That's some of you this morning. You're in the church and yet you're captive. I want you to know that there is one who can liberate you. There's one who can set you free today. There's one. Listen, how do he do it? By giving his life for you. It's the hope of the gospel. This one can liberate captives. He can open up the most bad. Listen. Man, some of you, listen, you think people are impossible. There's like no way. No way that person will ever be reached. I want you to know that God can do the impossible. He can save. I'm, he, can, he can save and transform. I had an illustration something the boys were doing the other day, and I cannot cause it to come to my mind. God, if you want me to remember it, just bring it there. I, I, I've forgotten in this moment, but something of just like it was an impossible moment. I can't remember what they were. They were talking, seeing, doing something. Listen, why? Why is all this happening? Right? Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse two: the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Right? There's a God who can comfort you in your mourning. Listen. Why? Look what happens, beginning of verse 3. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that. He's going to give us two that's, kind of helping us understand, right? Why? What's the significance of all this is happening? That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The they is the poor. The they is those that are emotionally broken. Like maybe you battle depression. Maybe you do, it just, it just rages over your life. I've got a close friend like, he's like, Jesse, I just wish, man. I just wish I, like, I didn't have this struggle. Like why do I have to struggle with this? Like I, I, I've got someone like, like, I talk to like, that, like why do I have to struggle with homosexuality? Like can I have like just a sin that other people have that everybody doesn't label it so bad? Like why do I have to struggle with this? And I want you and I to see today that these people, that you, no matter how bad your brokenness today, no matter how captive you are to sin this morning, listen, it is they, these, that may be called oaks of righteousness, that God can take and transform your life by the power of the Holy Spirit through the proclaimed gospel that you would be planted like an oak of righteousness, Psalm 1, right? That you may be planted by streams of water. You might bear your fruit in season and out of season. God would use a they, and that they is you, beloved. The planning of the Lord, that He may be what? Glorified. It glorifies God. All of this glorifies God. The preaching and proclaiming of the gospel. Remember, Jesus is there just proclaiming this gospel. And it glorifies God the Father. It transforms God the Father. Why? Because in the preaching of the gospel, listen, Romans 1 and 16, Paul says, for the power of God is in the gospel. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. This gospel is powerful. You've got to share it with your family. This beloved gospel, listen, it may have been six months since you shared, but this morning, the beauty of Christ is urging you, come on. 
I know you're afraid. I know you're worried. I know you got some junk in your trunk. Let's get that right. But come on, I'm going to use you to glorify me. I'm going to use you to glorify me. It's a beautiful moment. Right? And listen, it's just God glorifying all this. Now, this You may be wondering, like, bro, why the shirt? Man, it's a little loud, right? This is a shirt from Zimbabwe. And and the reason why last night I was just praying, man, I've struggled a ton in this message. I have struggled. Emily can tell you, I've been just praying, 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 God, please, please, please. I even struggled a little frustration. Like, God, just help me see it. And I, I sit there and thought last night as I was just praying, God, please, please, please. Like, what would it look like to preach this message in Zimbabwe? Right? Because, I mean, if, if you go to Zimbabwe, right, and they, they hear good news to the poor, right, and the captives being set free and the brokenhearted, but you've you, you got to realize, right, their family's still going to leave hungry. Right? There's no food in the house. Like, and, and, like, now the economy's so changed, like a bag of chips is like seven or eight American dollars, if you can even find one, a ba- like a bag of chips. Most of those people barely have a dollar a day, if even that. Like, I was thinking, like, Lord, if, if I go to preach this gospel there, like, there's lack of medicine and physicians there. Like, it's, like, I mean, I know even you may get frustrated, like, it, it didn't work, or, like, you got a shot, or you got the Z-Pack, or, like, you still, like, they don't have, like, they can't even afford to go to a doctor, and there aren't any doctors. So, like, if your kid's sick, your kid's just sick. Like, I wondered as a, as a thought, like, Lord, what if I was preaching the gospel there? You, you heard Nick share, like 97% unemployment. Like those people want to work. There's just no work. Like you may not like what you do, but for the vast, vast, vast majority of us, you can find a job here. They can't even find a job. Like there's no jobs. And so I wonder, God, like if I was there preaching this gospel to them, what might I, how might I preach it? And the good news is I would have to share with them and have to tell them that this speaks of a greater kingdom. That this is something greater than this world can offer you, and this, that he's speaking about, this poorness, this broken hardness, this captivity, this boundness, it speaks of something even greater. It's spiritual. And only Christ can bring you out of this. And there's a God who sees, right? I mean, listen, he sees their captivity, he sees their brokenness. And I struggled. I struggle to bring it to us because the reality is we're rich. And we hear about God's kingdom a lot of times and we're not hungry. So like, right, we're not really, you're not worried today about if you'll eat. You're just worried about where you're going to eat after church. You, you may not like your job, but you're not worried about having a job. my guess is for most everyone in this room, you've got issues with the government. Like there's things you just don't like about the government. But none of you probably woke up this morning wondering if the the currency that you have established and built your your wealth on is going to be overnight taken out from underneath you. That's the world in which these people who wear these shirts live. And they must know that there's a greater kingdom There's something greater than this world can bring. And that's why it's so hard to preach to the rich. That's why it's so hard to preach to us. Because so much of this, like, what good is that? I already got all that. Unless we realize that when we look at this text, 
But the truth is that all of us here today are actually poor. And that means we're poor spiritually. Like we have nothing that we could ever give to God to let him make him let us into his eternal kingdom. Today, we have to all realize that we're broken hearted here and the brokenness is of our sin. And that sin separates us from a holy God forever. Today, we need to all just own up and say this text actually does speak to me, even in my American world, because I'm actually captive and I'm actually bound. And that captivity and boundness is to sin and doing the desires of my own flesh. And so when we begin to see it through those eyes, as we begin to hear the Beatitudes of Jesus there in Matthew, we realize that the truth is only Christ can bring the deliverance that is promised here. This isn't the American way of life. There's something greater. There's a true kingdom that's coming that only Christ can bring you into. Why? Because you and I are all like Humpty Dumpty. We have fallen and we are broken and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't what? Couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I got good news for Humpty and good news for you. The cross of Christ, the power of Christ, who paid the penalty for your sin, can indeed put you back together again. It's wholeness. Now listen, this brings transformation to the way we live because this begins now to call us to share the gospel to our family and friends. It begins to, to bring us to that title of for Zion's sake. Now listen, some of you here Zion and you're thinking about the Duke that like, the dude who played at Duke last year, right? You're like, yeah, he was the first pick for the Pelicans. That, that's not who the Bible's talking about when it talks about Zion, okay? When the Bible talks about Zion, Zion was a fortress that David went in and conquered, okay? And after he conquered it, they renamed that city actually Jerusalem, but it even became known as Mount Zion, okay? And so when you think about Jerusalem physically, logistically, right? Like actual geographic location, it's known as Mount Zion, but then as you start transitioning in different places of the Old Testament, specifically as you come in the New Testament, you start to realize that Zion actually has some greater meaning. Places like Hebrews 12 and 22, when it says that we look forward to a new Mount Zion, a heavenly Jerusalem, a place where it says that unnumbered angels are in festal gathering, that this Zion that this place speaks about is a new coming kingdom. And watch what happens here in response to this new kingdom and kingdom. Verse 1 of Isaiah 62. Listen to what he says. For Zion's sake. Watch what happens. I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake. So again, you kind of use the interchangeable Jerusalem, Zion. I will not be quiet. Until what? Now, that's interesting. Scholars are divided. Is this, this the Messiah speaking, right? Is this ultimately speaking words about Jesus? Or is this the prophet Isaiah speaking? There's just some confusion over exactly who's talking here. Nonetheless, listen to this. Until. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. He says he looks and this Zion's sake ultimately looks forward to a new Jerusalem. So it must mean the true people of God. He's looking forward ultimately to the church. And he says, listen, until I see the church shining like a light, like a city on a hill, until I see the church burning with a passion for the lost, for the poor, for the broken, for the captive, he says, I can't keep quiet on my job site. I can't keep quiet in my family. I can't not, not go to the nations. There's a compellingness for Zion's sake. What 
if that was just an epitaph written upon your life for Zion's sake? Like, what if how you lived cow days this past week was just, it was driven by for Zion's sake? What if as you thought about how you're going to plan this coming summer and you thought about Kentucky Changers or Oklahoma or maybe Bobby and the team heading to Honduras in February and you just began to say, instead of me planning my schedule, I'm going to say it's for Zion's sake. And God, guess what? You've got open access to my summer schedule coming up in 2020. Where you want me, God? What if when you began to think about Black Friday, I saw an ad just the other day telling us about stuff that's already going to be coming. It's about two months away, FYI. What if you started thinking about shopping and Christmas presents and this year you saw it through the lens for Zion's sake? For the kingdom of God. What if we bought presents? What if we, how our family live and orchestrate everything was for Zion's sake and not for this kingdom? This is transformative. He says it's for Zion's sake. And so this, 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 look what he says here again. I will not keep silent. The word silent indicates not only words, right? Psalm 39, 2, I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail. But it also indicates action. So it's, he said, I'm not keep silent. Not I'm not going to speak with my mouth. He says, I've got to act with my life. My feet have got to go as well. My hands got to go as well. Listen, Psalm 107, 29. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were quiet. So this stillness, I will not keep silent. It indicates not only your words, but also your actions. Why is this one acting this way? Well, because the text tells us that he has, he's clothed with the garments of salvation back in verse 10 of Isaiah 61. Right? I mean, why is he, listen, I think this, this, this acting, these words is also indication of praying. Right? We talked about that. God bringing worldwide revival through through proclaiming the gospel, through you sharing the gospel, through the preaching of the gospel, but also through prayer. And I think this one's here is just saying, I, I, listen, I, I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop praying. Why? Because verse 11 of 61, Isaiah 61 says this, For as the earth bring forth its sprouts, and as garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. All nations! People that don't look like us, talk like us, they're going to be in the kingdom. For Zion's sake. It's a transformation. Why? Because of what God alone can do. Listen, man, this, this, this will cost you. All right, this is going to cost you guys. As you, as you, man, you, again, you, my, my intention is not to shame you if you haven't shared the gospel recently. If you're struggling with prayer, that's not it. Because I'm telling you, shame will only work for just a little bit. I'm hoping and praying that today you see the gospel and it moves your heart. So listen, listen to this here. Isaiah 62, verse 4. You shall no more. Listen, man, every single one of us need to hear this right here today. Listen to this. Just, just let it settle just for a moment. Just, just real quiet. Just draw in. You shall no more be termed forsaken. And your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For, listen to this truth, the Lord delights in who? Let it land on you for a minute, come on. Before you rush back out to your life. The Lord delights in you. Further look, he says, verse 5. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride... So shall your God, what? 
God rejoicing. Zephaniah says that your God sings over you with love. Did you hear that today? For people that are broken, people that are poor, people that are captive to sin, this God will deliver them and He actually loves and delights in you. He doesn't just like, He likes you. He loves you. Approach Him because of how He loves you, of how He rejoices over you. Listen, he used the illustration of like a man and a woman coming together and, and they love each other. Man, they come and they get united and married. And right, and there's this time of this honeymoon. But let's be honest, the honeymoon, right, can last a few weeks, a few months, maybe a few years. But before long, you're going to have old Maverick and Goose walking in singing, you lost that, what? Love and feeling. Come on. Some of you lost that love and feeling. It's time. Get that marriage kindling back. Looking to the Lord. But I'm fearful when we read this, we think of God's love toward us the same way, that it won't be long until He's lost that love and feeling toward us. I want to remind you that God loves you so much that He demonstrated by giving His own Son for you on the cross while you were yet a sinner. Christ's love towards you is perfect and it is forever and it is eternal So listen, I want to compel that to move you to pray as we come this kind of last little bit here. The same study asked the question about how often, if at all, do you personally pray for opportunities to tell others about Jesus Christ? Amongst churchgoers, they said, listen, 23% said I pray every day for an opportunity to share the gospel. And yet so few are actually sharing the gospel. So listen, I think for the many of us, you're praying, you're desiring that opportunity to share that gospel. And today, my hope and prayer is as you see this gospel, that it moves you not only to pray, but to go and to share the good news of the gospel with this community, with your classroom. Listen to what happens. Here's the text. We finish up. On your walls, verse 6 of Isaiah 62. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. And give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Listen to this praying. All right, so again, this watchman is kind of like a guardian, okay? Someone that oversees, watches over. It says, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set that watchman. The watchman that was the watch for the enemy coming, right? To, to sound the alarm that everyone could get ready for the day of battle. But listen to this way of praying. It's all day and all night. There's just a ceaselessness to prayer. Listen again, you're wanting to grow in prayer. You're hearing this today. Listen to how God is bringing about worldwide revival. It's through the proclaiming and prayer. I'm inviting you and I into this story today that we would be a part of this coming kingdom by we, us proclaiming the gospel and us faithfully praying. So listen to this. It's all day and all night. There's just a ceaselessness to prayer. Secondly, listen, it's, it's need felt. It's never being silent. Right, We keep bringing it to him like that persistent widow. There's just a sense in which right, it's just never being silent, like continually praying, crying out to God. You, listen, how do we know this is actually talking about prayer? Look what he says. You who put the Lord in remembrance. Now Isaiah is not saying to us that somehow God forgets, right? God doesn't forget. But we're praying in a way in which we bring about the promises and plans of God. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, there's the promise that there's going to come an Elijah before the day of the Lord. Before Christ comes, an Elijah's going to come. We know that Elijah is actually John the Baptist. 
But listen to what happens in Luke chapter 1, verse 13. So Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 promised that an Elijah would come before Jesus' day. John the Baptist shows up, but listen to how God's perfect sovereign plan comes about by the prayers of people. Luke chapter 1, verse 13, the angel comes and says to them, your prayers have been heard and you will have a child. There was a family that was just praying, 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 praying. And God answers their prayer by bringing about his plan from Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. God is hearing, God is seeing your prayer. And so again, this Lord putting him in remembrance, we're crying out to God to, to bring about his will, to bring about his plan. Look, he says there, they take no rest, they're just disciplined, right? I mean, you're just disciplined in prayer. And give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth, right? It's just urging, it's pressing, right? You're, you're giving yourself no rest you're, until you're giving God no rest, until he brings about his promised plan. So listen, maybe just a couple things in application here. Again, just trying to compel us to pray that God would bring about his plan. If this is what the Messiah was doing, bringing good news to the poor, should this not be what our church is doing? So as you think about it, right, I mean, how, how are we, how are you a part of helping this church bring good news to the poor? There's lots of opportunities. You can be a part of our bus ministry. Of going and picking up. We need more help there. That's an area in which you can be a part of bringing good news to the poor. Just in a really practical way. Maybe you can be a part of helping feed the ministry here. Bringing good news to the poor. Maybe today, listen, as you think about this, binding up the broken heart a comfort to all who mourn. Maybe you would begin to take up a mantle that some in this church have been carrying for years. Of going to the nursing home one night a week. And just loving on those folks. Maybe God today, listen, again, as you think about the brokenhearted, maybe it's just a ministry to shut-ins. Maybe you'd say, who are the shut-ins in this church that are members here? And I'm going to go and visit them. Maybe today, as you hear about this, this comforting of those who mourn, the brokenhearted, maybe you'd say, listen, maybe you are a widow or a widower. But maybe today, just God's pricking your heart, and you'd say, hey, listen, I'm going to go and I'm going to start ministering to the widows and widowers in this church. I can take them a meal. I can send them a card. I can go by and visit. I can spend time with them. Secondly, for Zion's sake, I want to challenge our young adults this morning, right? And, and high school students, middle school students. There's a program called The Journeyman. It's two years after you graduate out of college. You go and you spend time in another nation, another place. Prior to starting on your job site of giving that time to the nation to serve there. I want to challenge you today as you hear about this good news coming to the nations for Zion's sake. You'd say, listen, maybe it makes sense for me. I need to get started. Right? I don't have all kinds of loans. But maybe today, just hearing that statement for Zion's sake, it just starts to move and prick your heart to think, maybe God, you want me to give my first two years after college to go to the nations serve to minister some of you listen you're already thinking about college or you're in the midst of that maybe you could study abroad as part of the international mission board and while you're there listen you're there yes to study but ultimately you're there to build relationships and to point people to christ maybe today for you young adults singles as you think about how i must leverage my life for zion's sake maybe that's what god's moving you toward prayer what if this morning you began to make a prayer commitment, praying that God would begin to raise up missionaries in this place, from this place? We've seen God raise up preachers, 
man, we're, we're praying now. Brother Todd and I began praying that God would raise up missionaries from this body. Maybe you'd join us in that. Maybe today that you would just become to say, you know what? I'm going to begin praying. I'm going to begin fasting to see people saved in this community, amongst the other churches, if God wills, at this church. To see, listen, people's lives changed by the gospel. So today, I want to compel you for Zion's sake to come and lay your life down. Why? Not because you feel guilty about some statistic, but because you're overwhelmed. Behold our God. This past weekend in the parking lot, I was sharing the gospel with folks. And it was just sometimes really simple, just like this. A lot of times I ask if they go to church anywhere, they have any kind of church background, and most, most of the time people in this area do. Sometimes they don't. And so I say, well, maybe you've heard about the Ten Commandments, and I'll just maybe just share one with you. Do you. The Bible says that we aren't to lie. Have you ever lied before? Yeah. I was like, so if someone lied to you, what might you call them? What would you call them? A liar. So the Bible says that we aren't to steal. Have you ever stolen something? Yeah. I was like, so if somebody came today and stole something, maybe stole your phone out of your pocket, you'd probably call them a what? A thief. I said today, by your, your own admission, if we just walked with just two of the commandments and you stood before God today, as by your own admission, a liar and a thief, would God consider you innocent or guilty? And every single person in that back parking lot over the last two days, probably 15 plus people, all told me one answer, guilty. And I said, here's the beauty of that. God in His love sent His Son to take your guilt by dying on the cross, and I'd point to the cross on the back of our church van or wherever I could see it, and say, on that cross, God died, Christ died for your guilt, that you could stand stand before God by faith, by nothing you could ever do, that you could stand against being guilty, you could be innocent. That's the good news of the gospel. That God wouldn't forgive you of everything. He would cleanse you and He will send His Holy Spirit to live inside of you to transform you from the inside out. So I want to ask to the liars and thieves here. And listen, if that's not you, I want to be honest. You a liar. Just being honest. Everybody in the back parking lot was straight with me. They were all, they were, if it's not you today, you, you are, you're a liar. And you're guilty. But the gospel's come that even though you're guilty, you can become innocent. By repentance of your way of life, my God, my way is wrong, your way is right. And by faith in the Son of God who died on the cross to take your guilt away, that you could stand before God innocent today, clean as Christ is clean. That's the good news of the gospel. Today, are you innocent or are you guilty? Respond to the gospel. Father, in the strong name of Christ, thank you that your word goes forth and it never returns void. Father, please today, raise up missionaries in this place. Stir the hearts of middle schoolers, elementary, high school, college, young adults. God, to begin leveraging their life for Zion's sake. Father, I pray for this church that you would cause us to leverage the way that this church spends the remainder of our days for Zion's sake. Father, I pray now, God, that you will birth in the hearts of people here a desire to pray. 
for Zion's sake. I pray it in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.